You keep chickens, don't you? Right? You know too much. Show me your chickens, Max. <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe Glengow, any Glen. I'm drunk. On. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink, a martini, shaken, not stirred. All right. Uh, with that. We're going to see some about some chickens on Allied Movie, which came out a year ago. And uh, this is the first episode of Sober Cinema. So I am uh, Michael Denniston, one of your uh, great hosts, uh, only be topped by uh, two other voices you're about to hear on the show. So uh, I don't know which one's going to be the top voice getter here the, the, for the Twitter fans. <laughs> so I'm just going to say that... Uh, Josh, you're number two, and our, our number one will be left for last to introduce himself. So, uh, okay. Josh, put your voice on the record. I am here, folks. Josh Dotson, the voice of reason on this podcast. Oh, so, Okay, complimenting yourself already. All right, <laughs> so moving on, uh, our last uh, voice and uh, last co-host, Jared Dotson. How's it going? You might remember me from uh, Words of Wisdom from a certain podcast that we did I'm, I'm a glad, while back. I'm glad you're pimping other podcasts because I didn't really know what <laughs> direction you were going to go with that and uh that was not in our show notes as far as where we people would remember <laughs> you but it could have gone wrong very quickly so uh, probably drunk on twitter uh well that fits that fits the theme at least the title of the show but the the basic premise here is that we're going to look back at a particular anniversary of two films uh one that you uh, may be aware of that was a little bit more populous and one that uh leans a little bit more indie it's a our forgotten film choice uh this could be from as i said a year ago with uh the, the pairing for this episode with allied and always shine or it uh, could be two five could be six months ago just basically give us an excuse to watch anything uh that we uh, want to catch up with so since we're we're late to the game here uh we have the benefit of picking on people for their initial reactions to this these two films so Allied was not uh, received too well. It was uh, a box office bomb and uh, didn't receive a whole lot of critical acclaim, even though it stars Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard and is from Robert Zemeckis. And then we have uh, Always Shine, which I'll just freely admit, even though I'm on every movie podcast on the planet, I had not heard of this uh, film. I was just looking at dates of things that came out with Allied and was like, oh, what is this? Mackenzie Davis. All right, I will watch this. So, but looking at Rotten well, Tomatoes, uh, this one was uh, pretty well received. I don't know how many people actually saw the damn thing, but it has pretty good reviews. So, well, I was going to say three of us know about it, so that's got to at least push it into the dozens at this point. I am waiting for us to get uh, verified on Rotten Tomatoes, but since this is our first episode, probably not so much. Not uh, not going to be a knock on the door anytime soon. So let's start with uh, with Allied, because I feel like the three of us have a little bit more maybe history, especially with someone like Robert Zemeckis and uh, Brad Pitt. So uh, we'll start with uh, you, Josh. Were you uh, aware of this film, and had you seen it previously before watching for this podcast? I'll take the couch. You'll sleep on the roof. In Casablanca, that's where husbands go. They're watching us. Focus me. Said you were beautiful and good. Being good at this kind of work is not very beautiful. I 
after the war. You have a place? When the war is over, it won't matter where I am. We found each other. Come with me to London. Come with me and be my wife. I love you with all my heart. There's no easy way to say what we're about to say. We suspect your wife is a German spy. It's insane. If you are right, all this will be forgotten. But if she is, you will execute her with your own hand. And if you do not comply, you'll be hanged. For 72 hours, we shall know for sure. Is this a game? The test. Everything is a test. You were different with me last night. Different? Like you were angry. She's the mother of my child. It isn't true. I will prove it. Look, save her. You blatantly disobeyed orders. You're scaring me. When the war is over, it won't matter where I am. I was aware of it, uh, but this was my first time watching it. Yeah, I mean, the the advertising for it, I feel like, was very mediocre. It wasn't anything attention-grabbing. And, and really, like, what little bits I got from it, I think I was just thinking, like, uh, this just looks like a little bit more of a semest- uh, sophisticated uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Which is also not the most beloved film to be right, right. hanging your head on. <laughs> right, exactly. I was like, does Brad Pitt really need to follow that up uh, with another of that of that sort? So, you know, it had never really grabbed my attention as a film that I felt like I needed to watch. Even though I am a big Robert Zemeckis fan, so... A lot of uh, similarities in Brad Pitt on the movie <laughs> and Brad Pitt's activities off the movie. Are you saying oh. he, was, he was shopping for a new wife around the same time period? I have to be careful in how I phrase <laughs> it, but yes, that sounds exactly like what he was doing. Brad Pitt does seem like the sort that would listen to the premiere uh, podcast episode from Three Kentuckians uh, talking about Allied. <laughs> Just you did good, Brad. <laughs> uh, I will say that, uh, unfortunately, uh, I don't know if it's the time period or the, the actress, the leading lady, not being as uh, tabloid-worthy as Angelina Jolie, but that... Uh, particular controversy was going on and it didn't send people to theater people were not as intrigued as they were with mr and mrs smith which was a financial success i'm trying to think i this seems like something i should have watched you know i as you all mentioned uh, josh you mentioned zemeckis fan of his films i actually like that he was filming actual actors for once and not making them (laughs) cartoons brad pitt Cotillard, her work with, uh, you know i liked her her stuff with uh, christopher nolan as the femme fatale and so she's kind of doing that again a little bit longer more extended than she got in the in the the dark knight rises but i just have to admit that it just kind of looked generic and i think it was just very skippable um mm-hmm. upon initial watch so i watched i also was surprised when i finally did watch it this two hours long because mm-hmm. based on the trailer i was like that's gonna be that's gonna be a long sit they're gonna try to make that an epic love story and uh this movie it moves at a very brisk pace which i appreciate oh yeah well if it borrows a lot of things and pays an homage to the uh, 
older movies. I'm glad at least it didn't uh, rip off the three-hour runtime. Two hours is by far enough for what it was trying to say. I would say the only thing that gets shortchanged is maybe some of the stuff you're seeing in the trailer as far as you, know, you have these two uh, agents in the, the spycraft game during World War II, and so you have Max and Marion, uh, Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard, and maybe there's not as much nuance to her flirtations once he becomes suspicious of her. Like it, it feels like she gets very broad, very quickly, but how long, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many sequences you want of him being semi abusive to his wife. Who he's, <laughs> who he's not quite sure is a spy. You know, there, there's only a certain, certain ways you can play that. And, uh, yeah, that, that was probably my only issue with the pacing was uh, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more of their domestic home life because you quickly go from their first mission together and then they decide they have a baby. You have a crazy pregnancy sequence with bombs <laughs> going off and a, a baby <laughs> flying out. <laughs> yeah, very apt. Bombers and then the baby flying out of the uterus. Yeah, it's good imagery. I, mean, I was scared <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> So I, I found it entertaining. Um, yeah, this was this was not uh, knocked up or something with Catherine Heigl. They they really went all out on this effects work here. But um, maybe that may, that might have been my only concern. But yeah, I felt like it was it was just very uh, sort of pleasant and uh, classic sort of throwback. Jared, to what you're uh, you know testing to, it, it, there's a lot of nods here to the the those type of films, especially those big like movie star films, something like Cary Grant. Uh, where you have a little bit of romance, a little intrigue, uh, but for the most part, it's not, you know, it's it doesn't take itself, I don't think, too seriously. I don't think it ever gets too melodramatic, which I appreciated. So I actually came out strangely more positive than this. I understand why people may have passed on that, but I don't really understand uh, the indifference from people who actually saw the damn thing. I don't understand that it's uh, it was so negative on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, because, you know, I had the same reaction about just watching it, I I didn't really find the appeal of it at first, but uh, after sitting down and, and viewing it, it's it's a solid movie. It's a it's a really good movie, and uh, the performances were good. Um, I I think the turns in the movie are, are are pretty well paced. I enjoyed the fact that you know even though they were kind of mixing the spy genre with the romance stuff again, it wasn't like it was a caper. You know, it wasn't like the whole thing was just like oh, who's going to get who, you know, it was, it was more like it was a little bit more just gut-wrenching, like, man, I really hope she's not for his sake, because this looks pretty, pretty devastating, you know, so. Right, the the tension there is not if Brad Pitt's going to be killed by her, it's if he's going to lose his wife and mother of his child now, that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, 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 so I, I'm like you, I, I don't really know what people's problem would be with this film, uh, it's not, I mean, I, I guess if people went in with the wrong expectations, if they were expecting a Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like action film or something. It's it's not that, but it's a much smarter film and much much more enjoyable. I think for that for that reason. So I I walk away from it with high regards. So, Jared, do you think it's the the stakes of this movie where there's actually you know you bring a child into it? As I said, with that mm-hmm. phenomenal and terrifying sequence with the bombs going off <laughs> everywhere. Um, do you think that uh, that kind of keeps people at bay a little bit that it's not going to like Mr. And Mrs. Smith, as Josh alluded to, this is a married couple that, as we see in that film, have been married for a number mm-hmm. of years. 
they're pretty quick to fire bullets at each other and like knife fight and <laughs> sl- you know <laughs> it's hard to take seriously because they don't seem to take each other the the value of their partner's life that seriously whereas here it is i mean it is agonizing for, for brad pitt mm-hmm. and he also gets other people killed just trying to find out if she's mm-hmm. being truthful well you lose a little bit a, a little bit of that excitability i guess because in a typical spy thriller it is pretty much kind of like you know even with the was it the old comic uh spy versus spy or whatever or who gets who first, you know that's who gets it. who first is essentially the uh backbone of a spy thriller for the most part and this with this you've um it's that's why i think it was uh intertwined pretty well the romance and the spy thriller aspect of the films because you're you're invested if you've watched it by this point it's like like you guys said like i, I don't want her to be the uh, uh, the spy that's uh, working for the Germans. So um, I guess maybe that could be a criticism point of it in that it's not the best uh, spy thriller because you're not going to have that. Um, the stakes are different. The stakes are, uh, there's a different tone to them, I guess. It's about holding a, a marriage and a family together. Yeah. Holding <laughs> your marriage together is a lot different than, you know, throwing different gadgets at each other and trying to kill each other. So I did read one review, which, uh, you know, talked about Cotillard, you know, that they, there's at least one sequence where she's, uh, well, two, you know, one in the more domesticated setting and one when on their first mission in the desert where it is, they're definitely playing up the, the, the sex angle and maybe using sex to, to gain favor with, with Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I I actually felt like that was really well done because the other another negative review I read uh, basically and a lot of them are really putting a lot of the blame on Zemeckis and Brad Pitt and none on her mm-hmm. because they're saying that Brad Pitt is playing a very boring character or a very you know almost too stoic but mm-hmm. I actually and not to make me sound just like an asshole but I found that really entertaining <laughs> because it's a man who's you know, he feels like he sort of did his job and he put himself mm-hmm. and this woman he fell in love with in a dangerous spot and they survived. I mean, he, he has mm-hmm. a line in there where it's 60, 40 against they're going to come out alive. Mm-hmm. And he does all that work and it feels like there's just <laughs> there's like one more thing that has to come into his life to just mess it all up. And I, I felt <laughs> like Brad Pitt was not that they were playing it very humorous, but that that weight that's on him was just really entertaining seeing him basically just trying to hold everything together. Like he's just trying to, it's, it's affecting his work life. Cause you know, his bosses, he's saying, there's no way this can't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, his like family life with his sister, he's having to bring people in. You get weird looks from the other characters where they're kind of looking at him like, well, have you considered it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I felt like it was a, not a very movie star part to play. And I kind of tipped my cap to Brad Pitt for wanting to do it because it's just, it's not glamorous by any means what oh. he's going through. The uh, the criticism of his stoicism, I really I don't understand that the guy you ha- you have to look at what the guy does in the movie, as we were talking about on our private text thread. He uh, kills a guy, which I was hoping with the actual piece of bread, but he ends up you know choking a guy out in a phone booth, and then you wanted him to stab him with the bread, or yeah, or I wanted him to, to stab him. With the bread. No, I wanted him to stab him with the bread. Look, you know, French baguettes are pretty tough, so it would be a little uh, harder to cover that cover that up. Well, I know, but that would be the funny part of it. Is he's got a piece of bread sticking out of the side of his neck. Uh, somebody, I don't know how it happened, but. Bonjour, no. <laughs> that man, uh, like me, loves bread so much he just couldn't get it in his body mm-hmm. fast enough. He just yeah, I, I imagine you one day with bread sticking out of the side of your neck. Only if Brad Pitt does it to me. How about that? That's the way to go. Um, yeah, you know, it's big meaty they, hands. 
I, for his line of work, I really don't know how you want him to play that character. Like, do you want Austin Powers or do you want an actual serious spy movie? Like, he's not going to be prancing around. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what example that uh, I can give that it just doesn't make sense. Like, well, he's he's stoic when he first meets her, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and she's the one that says, you know, he doesn't really believe it at first, but it says that the only way she can sort of play that game is if she, she actually believes the words that she's saying. She has to like genuinely feel like she's, if she's playing the part of falling for this man, then she actually has to make herself fall for him. And Mm -hmm. I I think that's kind of interesting because he, he doesn't seem that expressive, but clearly he does care. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's doing everything and putting all these people in danger to keep this little life for himself. So I I don't know. I mean, you, you don't want him to be on the same wavelength as her to be as showy as her part. So I thought it was a little bit unfair from the criticisms that they were like, yeah, she's a lot of fun and he sucks. I don't <laughs> <laughs> That's no, why I they mean, compliment each other yeah, pretty yeah. much. He is the flawed character between the two of them because after their mission is over with, he's the one that says, you know, come, you know, be my wife. So already he's probably being a little too trusting a little too quickly, you know, with a, a, a foreign spa and, and and then like kind of what you alluded to earlier, once you know they bring it to his attention that that could be the the case. I mean, I, I know anybody realistically in that situation wouldn't want to believe it, but he does seem to be in a bit of denial for for a while. I was like, this don't seem possible, but you know, you're like, well, if the math adds up, I think it, it goes back to you know he he wants like he he just kind of wants that that time in his life be over, like and. To be dragged well, back I into mean, it, it's it's, it's yeah. like that one more job, like you know that that there's that kind of trope to it that he's pulled yeah, back and, in. And I, that's I think any normal human being would definitely have that reaction of like, okay, we were given this mission and likely not going to survive it, and miraculously <laughs> we did survive it. We did it, and we got out, and we we're alive. I'm putting that behind me, and I'm going to go live happily ever after now. But that's that's one thing I I like the sequence where he confronts her. And he's like, he finally does sort of express himself, you know, breaks down. I mean, he's, he's like clenches his fists, like he's going to attack her, but he's like also weeping because he knows mm-hmm. like it's all over because yes, she has betrayed him. And, and now uh, his people are aware of it and it's all, their life's going to come crumbling down. But uh, one thing that's never really expressed that I kind of like the dynamic between the two characters is he was a guy that continued to put on the hard hat and do a very dangerous job, but he's doing it from this, this homestead from the sanctity of a domesticated home life. And yet she was the one that continued to play the game. And I do feel like there's a lot of anger on his part that, you know, he was able to sort of sidestep it and walk away, but she wasn't. And now she's mm-hmm. like brought that down on him. Maybe a little bit more of that would have been good, but you know, I also don't, it probably wouldn't be within his character to constantly be bringing that up. Like a really, cruel episode and dangerous episode of everybody loves Raymond. Like you remember that time <laughs> when you betrayed us to the Nazis? <laughs> yeah. Well, cause his anger didn't even necessarily appear to be about the political betrayal as much as just like you realize what you've done. This is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you've ruined us, you know, our, our marriage and our family. So I, I appreciated that it was more nuanced in that sense, because again, comparing to uh, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, it, You've been married, you've had a child together, and you've been living this home life. You're not just all of a sudden ready to throw down and kill one another. I mean, even if you find out they're a spy or something. I'm sure if your wife's listening, she's glad to hear that, Josh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be a little more measured uh, when she's <laughs> found out to be collaborating with the Germans. <laughs> I think she'd probably... Nah, yeah, maybe 
you're not going to go there. <laughs> let's uh, let's uh, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to Always Shine, which uh, I assume we're gonna have to fill people in a little bit more because, as I said, it's our our concept. It's our forgotten film. And we're going to sort of deliberate on whether this is one that they should be more aware of and something like Allied. She's here. Got everything? Yeah. Hey, ready? The two of you will go away. Have a nice time. It'll be good for you. A little bit. These are very small glasses. I know that I haven't been the greatest friend. Excuse me, I'm, haven't I seen you in, in something? Well, you're in TV, right? This is uh, this is my friend Anna. She's she's also an actress. Have I seen you in anything? No, I would be surprised. God, you're so lucky to get paid to do what you love. What is it? It's just a really dumb horror movie. You have to take your clothes off. It's like the tenth time in two years. Do you ever feel like a whore? Do you ever feel like a whore? You think I'm desperate disgusting? I've just never seen someone look at me with so much disgust. Jesus, you are so innocent. We're gonna die out here, and it's your fault! Your life is over. My life is over. It'll all be over soon enough anyway, right? And then, uh, this one you have uh, sort of a throwback uh, movie. Something hasn't say is Polanski-esque, and I don't mean it uh, given the current Easy. political Easy. landscape. Easy. But I'm, I'm thinking of uh, thinking of some of those like sort of '60s horror films that he did that, in particular, focused on on women and that uh, possibly a, a breakdown of sorts happening here. But we have uh, two friends. I don't know, supposed friends. Uh, maybe they once were friends. Uh, played by Mackenzie Davis and Caitlin Fitzgerald as Anna and Beth. And I don't think that's a, too important because as you watch the film, their their personalities and their sort of uh, lot in life kinds of they kind of drift and realign um so i i don't know this is this is a, a horror film that's kind of filmed on the cheap where they they go off literally into the woods and uh then there's a lot of foreboding cuts of something bad that's going to happen to one or both of these characters so as i was watching this i was thinking man uh this is a josh dotson joint I bet he's digging this. <laughs> so I want you to kick us, kick it off. Like, cause I'm, uh, you know, me and Jared got on Skype first and I was like, I pretty much just want to hear what Josh thought about this. Cause this is, this seems like in your, your wheelhouse, your type of movie. So take it away. What were your thoughts on always shine? Oh man, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, there's no wrong so, answer here. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so like overall, like the experience of watching the film, I was enjoying it. I thought the dynamic between uh, the two actresses, uh, Mackenzie Davis and uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald, I, I, I'd watched their awkward uh, back and forth for a couple more hours. Uh, it was very intense. Um, and I was digging the uh, the unique uh, editing that, <laughs> that they done with the film where, you know, you just get flashes of crazy stuff that 
random moments and, and you could tell that, you know, psychologically there was stuff going on and uh, just some really weird, like, um, so, some of the dialogue started getting, like, slowed down and dragging. It was, I don't know, it was it was definitely setting a, a, a mood and a tone that was unsettling. So I, I appreciate that. Some of the... Uh, <laughs> um, the the scene where uh, Anna uh, noticed that the guy that she was talking to at the bar that she was interested in, when she uh, steps away and then comes back and sees him giving his number to Beth, and it starts playing that synth music <laughs> and like zooming in on her face. Uh, I don't know. I dug that. I dug it because uh, you you could just see the uh, the you, egg you like cracking. Mackenzie Davis having her uh, her heart broken. You just as long as it's uh, to something danceable. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if it felt so much as being heartbroken as much as like she was grinding an axe, like <laughs> in her mind. Because like, it, it okay. plays into the, the competition between the two, not that she yeah. cares about the man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was really digging all that. Um, I have to say, I feel a little disappointed by the ending of the film, um, just because. And and I'll say this, you know, you, you saying this is a Josh Dotson joint. Obviously, I do love films that are kind of a mind freak type thing. And you got to puzzle, you got to ponder it, and m- maybe even put your own spin on it. Very, you know, David Lynch type type stuff. But I, I don't like it when they almost give you too much information and it's conflicting. It's like, hmm. We're going to make you think that this is possibly split personalities throughout all this. And then we're also going to give you evidence that it is definitely not and that there are two separate people to which I'm like, okay, so does that mean that everything I watched is pretty literal? Uh, So I felt like the ending was a little a little weak just in that sense. But uh, as an overall tone and and kind of a mood type movie, I I really dug it. Uh, I think I was about the opposite on it, actually. I think I like the uh, the ending of the film a lot better than I did the uh, the lead up to it because at a certain point I was just I was so tired of them uh, passive aggressive fighting each other that I was <laughs> make you I, I was, cheer. <laughs> I was uh, calm down calm down <laughs> I know one of you doesn't like to be told that but calm down um, I mean if you're gonna go out to a weekend retreat with one another then you know go out and have a good time and be friends but it's like a constant competition constant uh which I mean given the uh plot of the movie it makes sense uh, I think that's a good but, point though that's that's definitely for it to be uh, to have such a very small plot mm-hmm. that is a pretty big hole as far as why why did either one of you agree to this because it doesn't seem mm-hmm. like you like the company like the Mackenzie Davis character maybe is drafting off someone who's more successful than her mm-hmm. but she's certainly not approaching it in a manipulative sort of way where she's gonna get in good and That's try to get some roles pretty no, she, blunt no yeah. she's yeah she's pretty antagonistic herself and as you said the other one is extremely passive aggressive trying to keep her friend down even out of this like experimental art film like a student film well let me ask you this and it's gonna be hard for us to answer because all three of us are guys but do you think <laughs> that that's a possible commentary on certain types of female relationships. I mean, do you think, Oh, definitely. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, mean I, I think you open off. I mean, the, the first scene is, uh, at first you feel like you're watching a woman about to be raped, tortured, murdered. Like, so, and I, I kind of knew this was, uh, a, 
like a horror type film. So I didn't, I, I didn't know if I was about to see like a death to kick us off. And then it's, it's revealed back. Oh, she's acting. She's auditioning. But then mm. you, then you transition to something else that's, you know, uncomfortable, kind of horrifying. I mean, I know it's in a professional setting, but all of the professional talk is emphasizing not really what she's doing as far as the line readings, but it's like, you do realize you're going to be naked, right? Like naked, mm-hmm. buck naked, like naked, Oops. naked. Real naked. <laughs> yeah. As deep as they can get it. Yeah. <laughs> as growly. And it's long takes. Yeah. Mm. I, I think it's, uh, I, I thought it was interesting in that regard. If you're looking at it, uh, cause I'm, I'm, I don't know where I am on this. I'm kind of muddled. I, I like some of the techniques that you mentioned, Josh, cause it definitely, for something that is basically just two people being mean to each other, like in a cabin in the woods, all of the little cuts definitely gave those scenes a little more oomph as far as like, they felt more horrific that way. Cause I felt I- like. I felt like we were on the edge of violence at all times, no matter what they were talking about. Yeah, and I think it's it's set in that tone of uh, we're, we're all being friendly on the surface here, mm-hmm. but there's <laughs> there's some uh, high emotion boiling under the surface, and I think that that style helped to emphasize that. But going back to your, your point about you know this being about specifically female relationships, you know that you open with, and especially very popular now in the the you know the Hollywood game like some very basic acts of misogyny there where it's like this, her value is not how she's delivering the line, but if she'll get naked. And I think that's reemphasized when you have a later scene where the McKenzie Davis character says, you're not even, you're not reading this. Well, here's how you would play this part. And then she plays it much better. Oh yeah. They definitely emphasize she's the, actually the better actress between the two. Right. Which then calls into question. You know, she, she asked her friend like, Oh, you're getting naked again. Like, do you ever feel like a whore? Like it's, <laughs> you have, you have characters, her bringing up things and it's like they're they're attempting to be honest but they're not being honest they're just being blunt like they want to have if they want to have an honest conversation with each other that's not how you would talk to someone like that because especially if they're friends she would be like she would probably ask about the nudie and like are you still comfortable doing that like you know that's you don't have to are you sure you want to do this but that's not how she uses it as a weapon like that's something yeah yeah to uh to make her friend feel bad so i thought it was i thought it was interesting because it clearly is about competition and and sort of using one another but all this stuff about trying to break each other down um it it does it seems it seems like even more aggressive considering that none of them are fighting for like this is like an like allied like an old time sunset boulevard movie where it's like i used to be a star and i used to be in these classic films both of them are saying these are shitty movies and i would kill you to get that part (laughs) like to be in a shitty horror movie yeah uh i I was reading um, some thoughts on the internet about the movie, and they they were bringing up the fact that uh, the two actresses, you know, they're they're both pretty, you know, well figured uh, blonde women. And they look very similar. Like, I mean, there's a, yeah, definitely a point to that, right? And like even um, the sex scene that's kind of uh, teased a little bit during the opening, and then it's an actual scene later where you just see the female from the back, you know, you just see her back in the back of her head and you don't know which one it is. You know, it could be either one of them uh, that they were saying that maybe some of the commentary going on there is that, you know, maybe Beth is getting more parts because she fits a stereotype that they are looking for, which is a meeker, a more timid, soft-spoken yeah. woman versus a, strong outspoken telling it how it is 
type woman Which, who, even though she's more qualified, she's yeah. more abrasive, you know, you, you and they don't that, like that. You see that play out a couple of times. You, you mentioned the, the guy that they run into who's just, I mean, could not be more obnoxious to me as far as what he was talking about. Like some, <laughs> some I don't know, yoga retreat or something. Um, oh, yeah. That and and being an older man who's into like you know women that could be his daughter. I don't know. I don't know. It just you know it did seem very predatory in nature. This guy's just full of shit. Uh, but that he he can't even be bothered with someone who he clearly finds attractive is trying to flirt with when she has strong opinions of her own. And he's like, you know, what? I'm just gonna move over to the one that doesn't talk, <laughs> the one that doesn't yeah. say much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I thought there's because you see that play out. Later on in the film, um, where they they kind of switch identities and switch roles, and you you see basically how much easier it is for the Mackenzie Davis character just to get along if she just drops that I guess willpower that she has, and it's just stops yeah stops being herself, but just becomes this person that everybody else apparently wants. But Jared, you you talked about how you know you know you got tired of of the, of the bickering basically of that the extreme aggression from both of them. So did you, did you think that point worked? Because as soon as Mackenzie Davis's character, you know, quiets down a little bit, did you, did you, did you find her more likable? Like, I mean, like the, and I'm, I'm not trying to, yep. I'm not paying you as a pervert because when it happens, <laughs> when it happens no, in the okay. film, I do a good enough job of that. Well, on my own, but but no. even in the film, she's, she doesn't meet, it's not like she meets like a, a perverted Hollywood producer. She's meeting a semi-normal dude, like mm. who takes her to a dinner with like his family. Like it's actually very sort of old fashioned sort of date at that point. Well, yeah, the, the, the commentary being made is men are just looking for, uh, meek little shy girls. And, um, the, the, the ladies, are looking, yeah, the girl next door and the girl that's loud and abrasive isn't going to get the roles, even if she's more qualified. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that worked in the film. Definitely, because like you said, once uh, Mackenzie Davis became a little bit more mild-mannered, it was a little bit easier to uh, uh, digest, I guess. At, at a certain point, I just, again, I got tired of them being mean to each other. It, after like 40 minutes, it's uh, I need something else in the story. It creeped me out, honestly. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I got so accustomed oh, to, her, to her character to see her sort of zombified in a way. Um, I kept waiting oh, yeah. for another shooter drop. I don't know if the ending totally works for me to some of the things you pointed out earlier, Josh, as far as if this can be taken literally or not. Um, I, you know, I think there's a version of this movie where you remove a lot of that and it's still just as creepy just with these people being with everything being real with the way they, they talk to each other and the events that happen. Mm-hmm. It's still just as scary of a movie, even without the, the allusions to sort of death in the woods that, that we have with this film. Yeah, I think if they would have either, you know, just played it straight of like, yeah, she killed her and, you know, she's just kind of off the deep end now because of it. Or if they wanted to make it completely ambiguous and just not show us the body at the end so that we're still kind of trying to figure out like, okay, so is this like a self-identity type thing of trying to find the person that, which is essentially still what it was, but... Uh, you know, her, I guess, kind of discovering that being herself wasn't good enough and that she had to try to act different. Um, and she's still playing a part. That final shot is pretty effective, too, as far yeah. as going from at least what I perceive to be a genuine reaction to her trying to put herself back together and make herself more presentable. I mean, in a thriller aspect, it's you could read it as trying to get away with something. 
but it also feels like based on what we've seen, there's a certain way you have to approach people or what's socially acceptable. And mm-hmm. it's, this is someone who's been beaten down as far as like literally beaten down as far as here's how you, you act in a given situation. And she's attempting to do that, which um, I prefer not. I like Mackenzie Davis just the way she is. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loud and abrasive <laughs> and making, <laughs> making Jared Dotson uncomfortable. <laughs> She'd be worth having it. around just for that. <laughs> I say we've lived that situation <laughs> with your uh, previous girlfriend for about eight or nine years. So, as um, you dated Mackenzie Davis for about eight or nine years, sir, I did not. But uh, maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day. Um, with both of these, I didn't really realize it because, as I said, I didn't know too much about Always Shine. But uh, both of these, you know, won a mainstream attempt at Hollywood success that failed, and won a little indie film that probably not a lot of people have seen, but it was critically well received. Uh, both are films about. Uh, a relationship, uh, two women, two friends, and always shine, and then a married couple, an allied, playing parts, and maybe not totally trusting uh, what they're giving you or wanting them to act in a different way. Uh, so, which one, um, which one deserves uh, to be to be known here in our little our little matchup here? The the more mainstream film or the the little indie darling, critical darling. We'll start with uh, Josh. Hmm. Well, it's kind of hard to put them head to head. Uh... I guess, you know, for my taste, me personally, I lean more towards the uh, Always Shine type of film. Uh, I kind of... I'm playing uh, you know, surprise crowd sound effects right now. In the sure, edit. sure, sure. <laughs> but but in terms of, like, you know, the critics got it right or wrong, I think they got it wrong about uh, Allied. I, I, I think that's a really good film, too, and... Uh, Probably more mainstream, you know, so I, I really do not know why it did not get any more love than what it did. Uh, I, underst- I understand people not seeing it in general, but uh, still, yeah, the ones who saw it, I, I thought it was a solid film. So, you know, my personal taste leans towards Always Shine, but I think the critics had it wrong on uh, on Allied. Yeah, Allied is uh, currently sitting, uh, as of this recording, at sixty uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, one hundred and thirty fresh reviews, and eighty-eight Rotten. Whereas, uh, as I said, not as many people, not as many critics, uh, <laughs> trying for clickbait with Always Shine, which we're going to see was probably a mistake. Ninety um, percent <laughs> for Always Shine, thirty-five fresh, and only four Rotten. So, uh, Jared, I kind of have a feeling which way you're going to lean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a question of. What's the more entertaining movie versus what movie has more to say and is more important and uh, what the message has? Of course, Allied, I thought, was a much more entertaining movie. Um, Always Shine has a lot of uh, good ideals that it uh, tries to get across, and it's it's much more thought-provoking film. Um, <laughs> definitely not as entertaining in a uh, <laughs> story and moviegoer experience, in my personal opinion. But I, I'm, it's the more important movie, even if it is um, pretty much trying to de- deliver that message through a, a weird <laughs> horror movie, I guess. Well, you, you give you definitely give something like this, uh, given that it didn't have a wide theatrical release, uh, given that it doesn't have, no offense, as much as I love Mackenzie Davis, uh, movie stars of the caliber of like Brad Pitt, for instance, they're, mm. a little, they're, they're free to have, as Josh said, a more ambiguous ending if they want. They can have this sort of weird editing structure. I think it's probably, as Josh said, I think with All of Shine, they probably got it right. I don't know how many people 
I would expect to really get into this type of movie. They would have to be probably film fans or just interested in like, like this being on a podcast, discussing films. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a little surprised that people were as hard on allied. It's not, it's definitely not groundbreaking, but you know, I don't, I don't think always shine is that, you know, when I was watching it, I was thinking, Josh, and I think you've seen this film, uh, with, uh, Elizabeth Moss. That, uh, that's exactly what I thought. Queen of Earth. It's very similar. Yeah, it's yeah. two women exactly. that go off <laughs> that used to be friends, go off into sort of a cabin in the woods for a weekend retreat, and one of them is a little more uh, psychologically imbalanced and is not having as strong a time of it professionally or personally, and the other one is <laughs> the world is her oyster. So it is weird. It's like I do think if someone stumbles across Always Shine, they'll be like, oh, that was that was kind of a cool little interesting movie, like did its own thing. But even in the indie horror movie world, there are movies just like this. But it's interesting mm. that doesn't in the reviews, and I liked both these movies. I like both of them. Always Shine. It didn't really come up as much. Whereas a lot of the negative reviews for Ally, they kept saying like, "Oh, this is boring. We've seen this before. They don't do anything new with this." And it's just weird to me that if you're a mainstream wide release, that hammer can be used a lot more than something like For Always Shine. Especially um, if you subscribe to the theory on uh, always shine of it being multiple personality disorder. Like how many times have we seen that? Mm -hmm. And it's getting pretty much a free pass for it. It was no split, sir. (laughs) 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 Which which we are going to cover on this podcast. I've got it on schedule. (laughs) Yes. Oh, boy. (laughs) So stay tuned. Future episode. Can't wait. Um, yeah, I think that'll do it. Um, so yeah, if you, hopefully you like what you heard here and you'll stick around for our split episode, which, uh, will will come up, I guess, in January on the, the anniversary of the cinematic uh, treasure that is M. Night Shyamalan's split. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at sober cinema. So I think that'll do it. Any, any final thoughts, words of wisdom? I'm putting you on the spot, Jared. (laughs) Nothing off the top of my head. It's too late. It's 9.30. Old man's got to go to sleep. Yeah, you got to get up and go look at those chickens again, right? (laughs) I need you to show me the chickens in the morning whenever I wake up. Well, me and Miss Hen was roosting high last night on the roosting pole. When I got up this morning, Lord, my roosting pole was cold. Miss Hen told me that she was mine last night when the feathers Flew, but she must have flew the coop with another coffee doodle doo. Have you seen my chicken? Have you seen my chicken? Have you seen my chicken?